Welcome to Converge Coffee. I'm here with Adam Grossman. So he just gave me a little spit about him, which is awesome. I have to read it straight through here. So from a syndicated radio mornings show, Man on the Street, to concert promoter, marketing agent, and a media buying firm, and bartender and surfer in Australia, Adam Grossman, to the shock of many, became a rabbi. Little did he know at the time, this was a catapult to nonprofit executive leadership and entrepreneurship, guided by the motto to help an individual become self-sufficient. His path led to the rejuvenation of legacy nonprofits, the birth of a standalone nonprofits and creation of for-profit companies. This evolution had led him to the experience in renewing archaic models, supporting organizations through change, maximizing efficiencies, developing talent from short-term and long-term growth, and prospecting and cultivating relationships for revenue, membership, and growth. Adam, thanks ah, for being so on the show. So glad to be here, Sean. Thanks for having me. There's there's so many commas in there that I had to like <laughs> pause, and then I paused between sentences that didn't have a comma. I had to take a little bit of breath, and then I don't know how I got messed up motto, but I got archaic in there. So I was like, you know, well. the, the sad reality is, is you know, as a as a uh, as a um, rabbi uh, at by trade or, or by many trades, is uh, I I supposedly speak a lot, uh, and that transfers into the way I write. So I just go on and on and on and on and on. So uh, thank you for saying it. So eloquently, you did a fantastic job. I mean, we could always put in like a semicolon <laughs> or a colon. You can add some more. You well, can add more add to more that situation. Just get rid of it and just see how people go with it. See what, how they flow. Uh, do they pause naturally? Uh, what, what spaces tongue twist you? So uh, appreciate that. So... Going into stuff and just kind of reading about your background a little bit, and I think more so of kind of explaining, I think what you're doing today, I think is kind of the most important thing. Um, you co-founded the Cell Factory or the Cell Factory Academy. So I think my first question, I think the listeners would like to know is, you know, um, why help start this company? What was your what was your kind of end goal and where, it, where yeah, is it now? That's a great now? question. And uh, so... Um, we started the selling factory in 2016 and personally uh, it came out of that uh, very different evolution from being a man on the street, surfing and bartending in Australia, ultimately to becoming a rabbi is regardless of where I was, what my core um, desire was, was to help people. And what I didn't realize at the time is when I went into becoming a rabbi, that being a rabbi taught me really some of the most essential components of sales and marketing. Even though I was in marketing before, I have a communications degree uh, for whatever that's worth, is what I learned about is how do you really listen to an individual's pain point? Because right? individuals have problems. They, um, they want to be heard. Uh, what are the questions that you can ask to have an individual and help an individual share that pain? And, and how can you be a support structure in going through the process with them uh, to lead, whether that's through guidance, um, uh, support, uh, 
uh, or a service. And that catapulted this idea in my mind that I really wanted to help people. And it evolved into starting some nonprofits and workforce development, uh, led to the, the founding of a company uh, in, uh, in sifting APIs, and uh, ultimately led to founding uh, the Selling Factory with my partner or co-founder at the time, Brad Gamble. And then we added a third partner, Ian Massenberg. And the focus of the Selling Factory is uh, connecting two very important components, recruiting and revenue-generating entry-level sales activities. And if you can recruit um, fantastic talent and train them on the selling process earlier than when they graduate, and help companies that need entry-level sales tasks completed, you can actually help to support two expenses that companies face, uh, expenses or recruiting expenses and offsetting that with increased revenue generation. So where we are today is uh, as uh, we are in the midst of a global pandemic, uh, we've been very fortunate uh, to uh, really evolve our organization going from in-person to a 5,000 square foot space that we're still waiting to get back into uh, to a space where we can do the same uh, meaningful oversight, training, engagement in a virtual and remote setting. And we're really uh, using tools that will allow us to transform that virtual setting into an interactive engagement setting where both our clients can see our dynamic students in action and uh, our students still have the opportunity to collaborate and communicate beyond that two-dimensional Zoom experience. I like that. Um, I mean, you, there, there's, I think there's a lot of, there's been a lot of players out there that have kind of encapsulated there's a company here in indy that does that lessonly with onboarding that's onboarding everybody but you've taken a specific niche and figured it out in the sense of entry-level sales because entry-level sales if you know what you're selling and you can understand the customer you can go to different parts of the business and accelerate that because you're ground level listening to where the pain points are um so i really like that but the bigger question is is um how do you go about marketing that? <laughs> that's a great. That's that's why we're on this podcast, right? <laughs> yep. I think one of the important components um, for us, and and since our inception, is in thinking about the design of our logo. And uh, we're not a design firm. We don't. We're not a marketing firm. We are a selling factory. Uh, we help transition when you're a marketing. You pique an interest individual, they move into a sales qualified lead. We help that next phase of getting them from a sales qualifying lead to help to support your account executives and uh, your business development representatives close that deal. Uh, what we have found there when we when we created the selling factory, we created our logo. And our logo is is a very simple uh, sign. And what our uh, thought process was at the time is if you were thinking about traveling down Route 66, or if you're a sports fan and you're going to a Red Sox game and you see that Sitco sign in the back, which is this iconic, classic old sign, is that 
we wanted to be a destination and we wanted to be a destination that uh, if you think about and embody the fact of that 1950s selling environment where individuals went door to door and they built relationships and they, they built friendships and we're losing that. Uh, we're losing that not only in a pandemic, but we lost it well before the pandemic. It, a lot of it's inbound and in tech, but what individuals are really looking for and, and what we found is uh, people want a relationship. Uh, they want to know that somebody is there with them on the journey. Uh, that someone in, in a team is going to be there and give them uh, a, a candid and um, uh, a, a real understanding of whether or not they can help you with that product or not help you with that product. So really where we focused is word of mouth. Um, we focused on customer experience and really being a space that tells people where what we can do what one can expect and not uh, position ourselves as, as promising the world. Um, we also uh, focus heavily in um, from a marketing component is uh, our, our number one service is our students. Uh, we do on-demand SDR. I, we, we potentially will talk about farm systems. Um, but what, what we are about is helping companies find talent before they're on the market. So at 19 and 20, we're hiring individuals part-time to replicate the functions of a full-time individual at elite universities. So we started in Gainesville, Florida. We, we uh, have a, a lot of University of Florida students. Uh, those individuals are in business and communications and public relations. And their stories exceptional. And what we found is, uh, and, and one could go to our website, they can follow us on LinkedIn, uh, follow us on Facebook, see us on our YouTube channel. And what you'll find is these unbelievable spotlights of these students who, uh, one, decided during the pandemic um, that she was going to create a, a nonprofit to build masks. It started out almost a week after the pandemic, got a sewing machine, has, has done thousands of masks for individuals in the Gainesville community uh, to give out. Uh, another individual who's passionate about um, helping support women entrepreneurship, women leaders, trilingual, uh, in, and is, is seeking to uh, ensure that women have a voice in leadership. Uh, it's just amazing to see these students. And then a company hires us. Uh, through their entry-level sales needs to uh, to replicate as opposed to trying to find full-time help, which is a challenge. They hire us, and and we just have a constant stream of unbelievable talent albums. So I think just the product, the service, our students are the marketing uh, because that's our service. And their stories, uh, as well as the customer experience, uh, really being there along the journey with them is really where we focus our marketing. I absolutely love that. And you mentioned something that um mentioned a couple times in um the questionnaire, like in our green room too. And now um where there you know, you have a structure, you know, to kind of bring these students in. And I, I'm sure it's probably a little bit more is, is it the is it the farm system? Is it the sales farm system? What what is <laughs> yes. that? That's a that's a great question. And you know, when we think of farm systems, and not to assume that everybody is a sports fan, so I don't want to uh uh in any capacity uh express uh that 
people have to be sports fans. I particularly am a sports fan. I love sports. Um, and uh, I, I want to be uh, consistent to our neighbors from the north as well uh, or uh, globally. Uh, whether one is a, a, a soccer fan in America or football globally or hockey fan in, in Canada or America or, or globally or even uh, baseball, uh, these organizations don't draft players and then put them in the major leagues and then uh, give them the highest contract possible. Very few leagues do that. The NBA is one of them and the NFL is the other, right? You get a high draft pick, you go right to the, uh, the majors and you are expected to be great because you were drafted at a certain position. That's similar in the recruiting process, right? You go out, you're so excited to recruit individuals from universities across the country. And yet time and time again, we lose out and our ROI does not equate to how much time, energy, and um, money we have spent in developing and recruiting talent, right? They burn out and they have a high turnover, especially in sales. So with the other sports, what they do is they draft players and they put them in the, in the minors and they, they, um, they are in competition with individuals at the same level. And as they grow, they move from single A to double A to triple A. And when they're ready, they move up to the major leagues. You can jump from single A to the major leagues, but that's because you are so much more equipped to handle the level of competition at the majors based on where you are in single A. Similarly, we understand that in recruiting, there's an opportunity to do that as well. And for a company, it is... Those two expenses, recruiting and revenue generating activities, are two of the highest um, uh, dollar figures that um, that that companies spend on, especially for talent. So, if we can train individuals earlier, and companies have the ability to see their work ethic, to see how they're going to react in situations. Um, and at the same time, not just spend recruiting dollars and get nothing in return except for a, another, um, a, another hire. If you're starting two years before, not only are you getting recruiting, but you're also getting them to perform your revenue-generating activities, your entry-level sales task that, you're hi- that you would hire them for two years later, but you're getting them to do two years before. So when they graduate, They're two years in, a year and a half into your process, your value system, your identity, and they can walk in and be much more equipped to do account executives, um, BDRs, um, analysts. So that's really the philosophy we have and we've built is uh, is a sales farm system for recruiting and revenue generating activities. Well, it's like the adult saying, "Start them young." <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly, and, and uh, yeah, and and look, uh, yeah, as you as you meant, uh, sales is a hard business, right? It, it's it can be uh, overwhelming, and at times when we take that draft pick and our expectations are high, when we put them in, the the, the pressures mount. And it really is, is a, the burnout is so much higher because of that. If we can get them in that soft on-ramp to get them to a point where they understand the process, feel passionate about it, feel they're going to accomplish something because their confidence has been built. Uh, so many times do mm-hmm. I see 
uh, students who walk in with great confidence in their demeanor and poise, but they're not confident to talk on the phone. Uh, they're very scared to fail and get rejected. Uh, these are elite students. They, it's not that they're, um, uh, they, they're highly elite talents that haven't seen rejection. They need to see that. And what better way to have them on the phones talking to people, getting no nine times out of 10, if not 99 out of 10 or 100. I'm sorry, that math was awful. 99 out of 100. Uh, but yeah, so that's, that's really what we've built is an on-ramp to help to support companies. And uh, beyond the farm systems, we have uh, we do on-demand projects. So companies that just need a quick qualifying or quick research, or maybe that's a short-term or a long-term project, as well as uh, we do some end-to-end sales, especially for transactional clients um, that usually are a 60-day uh, or less cycle. We have our students, which is unbelievable, and, and listening to this is extraordinary, that are uh, making calls and closing deals uh, and building books for clients. It's unbelievable. Uh, and, and so companies that maybe don't want to build a sales team, they have this unbelievable product, they're small business going back to our logo. Uh, we are, we are helping small, medium sized businesses, uh, take their business to the next level with talented, uh, extraordinary students who are going to go on to extraordinary careers, but we're getting them earlier. I love that. And Another thing that I kind of want to talk about, because you kind of mentioned this too, um, is where, where you're helping students now. But um, you've also noticed um, a few things, especially with um, resume flaws, with next-gen sales talent and the sales shortage. Um, so you've kind of mentioned the pro- like the pain points but um, if we can dive a little bit deeper on really what those pain points are, I mean, it's two-sided. It's, it's for companies and it's, it's individuals, it's young people um, trying to figure out how do, I, how do I build a resume or how do I build these connections? That's, that's such a, that's a, that's a good question and, and really something that has evolved in the four years that I've been looking at resumes, hundreds, if not thousands of resumes, hired hundreds of individuals as, as uh, students to launch pad into the selling factory and beyond. And I, how you expressed it, this resume flaw is a real problem. And, and it, it, it also is leading to an issue in the sales shortage. Uh, we just don't have great talent across the board in sales. And there's, there's a variety of reasons for that. Um, but one of the things we're seeing in college is a lot of organizations recruit campuses and are looking for salespeople. They'll call them a lot of different things. They'll call them SDRs, they'll call them BDRs, they'll call them business representatives, you name it. Um, but, and most of the students are going in with their ideal or idea that their major is going to get them to where they're going to be in 10 years, not at, at 22 or as a graduate. And uh, so there's a gap of understanding. And, and, and so that's, that's first and foremost. Number two, a lot of individuals who are hiring sales professionals are actually unqualified to hire sales professionals. Uh, they come from the HR world um, or they're career counselors at universities designing experiences that we assume are valuable in the recruiting uh, aspect, like career fairs. 
right? Hundreds of students running around. You get 10 seconds, 20 seconds. You get a resume in an, a 20-second interview to determine if that individual is going to be successful in an SDR role. Well, what is a resume? A resume is an it's a key card. You either have a good resume or a bad resume, but it doesn't make you qualified to do sales or not qualified to do sales. Uh, an interview is showmanship. Uh, we, we, you know, you've done a lot of interviews, Sean. I can imagine some are fantastic and others are pedantic. Uh, not naming any names, right? But you know, you have um, it, a showman or a showwoman doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be great at listening, right? They're going to be great at identifying the problem and quickly using that identification to handle either an objection or understand how they can serve that person. Uh, you have individuals who are great show people who can't ask a question for, to save their lives. And isn't that sales? Asking open-end questions and really understanding, do they engage and uh, have that meaningful connection? So what we found is that uh, most individuals um, can be competent at sales if given the opportunity and a lot of the uh, the great salespeople that are out there are actually being pushed aside because of this resume and interview flaw. And there has to be a different way of recruiting, which is why um, really the selling factory came about and where this the farm system, the end-to-end sales, the on-demand uh, projects came about because we saw that apprenticeship rather than interviews are a better indication of whether an individual is going to be successful in an environment or not. You speak a lot of truths. I've, I've noticed there's been a lot of companies that are doing that, especially in the developer <laughs> IT world, where they're trying to find hidden gems, where it's not just, I know this code, this code, this code. It's, how do I how do I think critically? How do I adapt? Another question. I actually want to tailor another question off of this too. Is not only are you selling in in that apprenticeship, not only are you selling to the customer, but you're also having to learn to sell to the manager or person people you are reporting to in the company. How do you go about doing that? Because that those are those are some major some major things too. Where the manager's like could be i'm trying to hit these numbers and the director above is probably more you know more of a strategic you don't you don't know and sometimes when you go into those interviews sometimes i've been in interviews before where people are like yeah we had this position but this might not be the position that we that we had i, I mean i spoke with a vp and an, a ceo and i'm like so i'm content i've come into an interview where you're you're not going to hire this position like as a final round, like I don't, I don't understand where we're going with this. Like, you've kind of dumped me for a loop of what you actually want, want because I prepped for this <laughs> position. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's you know, and and that's you know one of the things that's really a challenge, and probably could have mentioned it previously, but I. 99%, I'm still looking for the 0.1% or 1%, 99.9% of what we do in life is sales, right? We're selling ourselves, we're selling an idea, we potentially will be selling a service or a product. And most jobs and career paths out of college start with a sales role. 
Um, we don't know it yet. Uh, we don't actually know it until we go to a career fair and say, wait a minute, I, I have a marketing degree. Why am I not creating content? Well, because you have no idea what we do. So learn what we do through an SDR role, get really good at it, network effectively, and then we can promote you in six months because you know us better. Let me hit record here. So everybody, listeners out there, we had a little technical malfunction. Stay with us. We're still, we're still talking here. So we were talking in thin air. That's what's hilarious about it. We just were, we just kept going. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. So it was just like, oh, if it stopped, I'm like, well, what? I was like, where did you go? <laughs> so yeah. So what we were, um, and and what we were kind of getting at is is that this. So as a student we don't even realize that everything is about sales and we don't teach sales. It's, it's a dirty word. And yet it is at its core, it's about finding mutual benefit, listening. And, and I've said this so many times, listening, uh, how we our body language, right? It's not about talking. Mm-hmm. You have to 80% is about listening in a conversation in sales. And so I, I think one of the things that we teach, not, I think we, we definitely teach is how do you use the sales process in multiple aspects of your life? So one aspect is your career and how you build your career and put yourself in position uh, to take the next level and ultimately put yourself in position uh, to get the job you're looking for early on. But it's just as much, and we have the the Selling Factory Academy, um, which is the sellingfactoryacademy.com, which focuses on four modules. It's an e-learning platform, but the four modules are designed for college students or high school students to learn the, the necessary components of sales with the most important product any individual has, which is themselves. Mm-hmm. Right? So how do, you, how do you create a pitch where I'm going to be interested in you? And it's not most of us learn, and that's through high school and college, that it's about me. And I can promise whoever's out there listening is not about me and it's not about you. Although our, our parents might say you're unbelievable and you're awesome. Uh, we're not that great. <laughs> what makes us great is the ability to understand how we can benefit another and that give and receive, right? Is how can we learn what an individual is missing? And as Sean, I, I love to have you ask a question before is like, there's been times where you walked into an interview and they're now interviewing you something different and you prepared for something else. So how can we teach individuals how to ask the questions of what are they looking for, right? If someone came in here, what is the thing you're looking for? And do you fit that or don't you fit that? Um, can you inspire an individual to say, yeah, that's, that's exactly, I appreciate what you just said. What I'm hearing is blank. And here are the skill sets that I bring to a company that can actually help to support your team grow, as opposed to, let me tell you about myself. I'm blank, 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 and I like to do blank, blank, and blank. That that, that journey doesn't work. Well, you hit the nail on the head in the sense of experience. Like there, there's a level of, I mean, you could be, um, you could be a prodigy and be a genius and know all this stuff. But there's just a level of life experience that you don't know. And you hit on the head of the life experience part. But the other part is, and one of my professors, alma mater, Butler University, <laughs> not throw that out there, but one of my, my, one of my professors, he was the sales professor. And he says, anytime you go into an interview or anytime that you sell something, imagine you've got $5 in your pocket. 
because what happens is is that you're not you're trying to sell without any anxiety in the sense that I've got five bucks. I can pay for lunch. I've got five, five bucks. I'll pay for a cup of coffee that it lessens that anxiety. And it's more of a mental trigger of saying, I don't need this next sale. I would like to have it. And that engages you more in that listening process of actually sitting down and really understanding the pain point where you're accepting the other person's anxiety rather than pushing your anxiety onto them. You say it so well. I'm a big believer in that is that are you going out selling a product or are you going out and building a relationship? Mm -hmm. If you're going out to build a relationship and a a relationship at its core is a give and a take, right? You're giving your ear. You're ultimately receiving their ear, right? If you're going out and building a relationship and you're at your core trying to help somebody, Thousands of projects, if not millions of products exist out there that really solve a pain point. And if our goal is to uh, support an individual in that process um, and and really listen, and we can even say at times, look, we don't fit for what you have right now. And that's okay because it's really about working with them. And I can promise those individuals are going to come back because you said very frankly – that we're not the right part for you. We're not the right service for you. Here, let me give you five other people that would really do well in supporting you in your growth. And that goes back to what you ask about marketing as well, is the customer journey is so key. And no matter what content's out there, whatever you know, designs out there, all the tech out there, it's all important. Uh, And we do a lot with tech as well in the sense of automation and that kind of stuff. But if they come in and they don't want to be there or they feel bamboozled or they feel you can't help them in a meaningful way, then it's all for naught. Well, you kind of hit the nail, another nail on the head. I think we'll go in the house here or a shot or something. Um, You reminded me of one of my friends and he does, um, he does hair care sales. Looking at him, you were like, Oh, you couldn't imagine him doing hair care sales, like goes to salons all across central Indiana. But he told me something and it kind of resonated with me, with, especially when I was talking to, you know, about e-commerce stuff. And he said, if someone returns a product, that doesn't mean they're still not going to be a customer. And he said, I was talking to a guy that had 20 years of experience and he had massive returns on sales but the thing was is that the longevity of that sale lasted with those people because maybe the product wasn't good or maybe they didn't like it but the thing is is that a lot of salespeople that he knows drop that conversation when someone returns something and so it got me thinking of my the own business model of what we're doing and just seeing the the percentage in the, the cash basically it's almost cash on table if you can get them to buy 10, 25% of those people that return, that's more cash back in your pocket, more cash on the table. That's more people building relationships of saying, okay, what was wrong with this product? Was it damaged? Was it this? You didn't like it? What's going on here so that we can we can fix this or we can give you a gift card or something or a discount or whatever to kind of rebuild that relationship where – we're not paying for a new customer and paying so much money into it that we can go back and saying, you know, let's, let's rebuild, let's reconvene and seeing what we can fix with this because it's kind of like that old baseball saying is, um, or, you know, 
first time, shame on you. Second time, shame on me. Um, That's exactly so right. We give you a second chance saying, okay, I gave you a second chance, but then you blew it. So it's shame on me. And so I'm, then, then they're like, well, I don't want to deal with this anymore. Yeah. How do you, how, you know, communication is so key, right? How do you be proactive? How do you, um, you know, and, and really thinking about, you know, we, we are a lot of times focused on one avenue, right? We're focused on that immediacy is what's the bigger picture that plays out. Right. And, and, you know, if we're, if we're working to help, help people for helping to build mutual benefit, the returns are exponential. I, I think one of the things we spend in marketing hundreds of millions of dollars on getting a new customer, hundreds of millions. We spend a lot less on ensuring our current customers are happy. The irony of it is on research right? A, a current customer will spend two times more than a new customer. And yet we're spending eight times more to get a new customer than just spending on keeping the new customer, right? So, so how do we start looking at that experience and really understanding how can we build stuff that's going to last uh, and going to, to hit uh, multiple um, components, whether that's our bottom line, our marketing, our sales, that's where, you know, we talked about the farm system is that's where the farm system, you, you know, there's so many companies talking about recruiting, so many talking about outsourced on demand SDR, whatever, however that is. But what if we just merge those two together? You're going to actually spend a lot less. You're going to have more qualified candidates as they come through. And more importantly, you're going to have individuals who are going to be ready to take the next step without having to spend all that money on the training that they're going to come in to that organization. So that that's kind of the philosophy we have is that, um, that, that coordinated model. Um, my, my partners will get upset if I use the word holistic, uh, but <laughs> I'll say, so I'll say coordinated. <laughs> Yeah, I got to the point where like people were talking about synergy and marketing, and then someone told me it's like synergy is not a word, and I'm like, well, yes. you can also vote to make it a word. So there you go. <laughs> so flipping gears here a little bit, um, you were um, you're a rabbi. I'm a rabbi, <laughs> or are still like I don't. I, I, yeah. I'm always a rabbi. <laughs> always a rabbi. So how how did you make that? How did, did you make that transition from um, being in the being in the clergy to B two B sales, as well as you know, kind of you know, if we can make a um, connected, I want to be, I'm, I'm, I was going to say holistic, to make a connected um, um, view about yourself, like what makes Adam tick in the sense that you know, what do you do? Why do, why do you do what you do for work? And then, for, you know, for your hobby and health. So what transitions that you made from the clergy over to B2B sales, then how do you, how do you establish yourself to be successful now in order to help others be successful through work, hobby and health? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a, a loaded question. question. I know. <laughs> it's a big question. Uh, it has a lot of layers. And I, I what I have found is that my career path has never defined me. Um, what has really been the, the the core of who I am is the constant desire uh, 
to help individuals become self-sufficient. Uh, and that has led in through in many journeys through my career paths, right? At, at 22, when I was on the radio, it was about giving people laughs. Um, and when I was in marketing, it was just trying to understand the world and, and trying to understand culture and, and going to Australia was, was understanding culture and really being, having an ear to the ground, um, to, to hear and listen and understand that I am but a speck in, in a vast world of people and a vast, uh, uh, universe, if not multi-universe, right? So I, I, you know, I went into the rabbit because, I really wanted to passionately help people. And I thought that uh, I want to, I was not a, a, I didn't know at seven years old that I was going to be a rabbi. Uh, probably didn't know when I went into being a rabbi that I was going to be a rabbi. Um, but what I knew is, is that I could gain real great insights into um, practices, um, into identity um, that could not only help myself, but ultimately serve others. I, that that kind of process had me always seeking to how I could continue to learn, continue to grow. I, I'm passionate more than just about work, although I love work. I'm passionate about learning and strategizing and and putting myself in position to take problems and, and figure them out and help people. So I surrounded myself with a lot of entrepreneurs uh, in my first um, uh, post as a rabbi, um, was very fortunate enough to, to really gain great insights, learn great mentors, uh, had that opportunity to build a, a nonprofit uh, focused on workforce development and recruiting people to Memphis. Um, and uh, we ended up uh, creating a profit company while I was there focused on uh, sifting um, social media for significant and insignificant posts. Failed slowly, uh, which is the worst type of failure, but you learn a ton. Uh, but it was, it was focused in this, in this serving and communicating. Uh, was recruited for a, a, a challenging nonprofit, a, a nonprofit that had some, uh, some issues. Um, and over a five-year period, was able to uh, streamline it, rebuild it, strategize, and get it to a point where it could launch pad into the future. And while I was doing that, I uh, started to continue to, to understand how I can serve a community. And what it led to was the Selling Factory um, and another nonprofit called Career Up Now uh, that what we had a great opportunity to, to do is how could we scale helping people, right? I, I happen to be a rabbi. I happen to be Jewish. I happen to have an understanding of Jewish uh, Jewish practices, but those practices are in all religions, right? My goal isn't to help individuals become theologists. My goal isn't to help individuals become religiousists. My goal is to help people find meaning in their life, wherever that is. And I will help a Catholic. I will help an atheist. I will help a Jew. I will help someone who's uh, uh, green, blue, purple. It doesn't matter. Uh, my goal is to help to support an individual and provide them access in a way that currently they don't have or have not been taught. That's really my passion. That's what drives me each and every day. And it was a natural progression to take that, um, that framework into the selling factory. 
Um, it, it, it made sense to say, wait a minute, I can help more people. Let's get in. Let, let's do this. I like that. And I mean, you kind of encapsulate the whole thing about work, hobby, health. I mean, <laughs> some because I've had some people in the past who are like, I drink, you know, glass water. I work out. I do this. But, you know, there's been very few people talking about their religious health of the mindset of, you know, am I connected into this world and that kind of stuff? Um, how can I connect with other people um, in, in such a way? And I think there's been kind of um, was like the old adage saying is, you know, don't talk about um, – you know, sex, politics, and religion at the dinner table. <laughs> you know, it's it's fascinating because I'm a big believer in is that, you know, there, if we look at our lives in a, in a wheel, right, and, and there are different things that we're doing, right? We work. Um, we, we need to take care of our physical health. We need to take care of our spiritual health, whatever that means, emotional health or mental health. We need to take care of our um, relational health health, right? With our family and friends, and, and you could split those up. We need to take care of our, our, our meaning health, which means, you know, are we volunteering? Are we, are we finding purpose? Are we giving back um, both of ourselves and our finances? Are we taking time to rest? It's something people don't do a lot. Um, each one of those, because we only have a certain amount of time in a day, right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes some of those things are full. Sometimes some of those things are empty. I believe religion is not the drive to God. I believe religion is taking all that in a wheel and filling up those things which are empty and sustaining those things which are full. Religion, um, working, you know, um, business, all these things are part of a greater whole. If we integrate the greater whole, we actually find a greater drive um, to, to meaning to purpose, to life. And that, and that's really what I have found uh, being a rabbi is. And I believe being religious is, um, is, is how do we, oh, and I probably should add eating, right? Eating what we yep. put into our body, <laughs> what we do. Like all of that, all religions have a baseline of all of that, um, but it's centered around God. I don't necessarily know and believe, although I have my own interpretations of God, we can get into that. Um, and, and really follow Judaism has provided me a practice and a, and a pathway to help to support me. And I know it's helped others as other religions have. But I think that uh, if, if we look at religion as an opportunity to tie all these external things together and understanding that God is just one part and uh, all the other parts are just as important, then it becomes a lot different movement than just simply do you or don't you believe in God? Because that's not what religion is about. So to tie all of this together in this episode, <laughs> thanks, Adam, for being on, on the show. I mean, just going through, talking about the selling factory, um, where, where you came and where you've gone from, you know, still being a clergy member over to B2B sales, you know, from sales farms and systems like the MLB does and that kind of stuff all the way to career pathing and not defining yourself to the whole wheel of filling up, you know, filling up the different um, vessels in a sense of your different parts of your life using religion um, and just kind of just opening about yourself. And um, I really appreciate it. So thank you so much for being on this episode. I really appreciate it, Sean. This was great. Uh, next awesome. time, coffee, real coffee.
Yes. And to all the converged coffee drinkers out there, that's a wrap. <laughs>